Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the podcast, The Endurance of Labor Laws. I'm your lovely host, Leslie Sullivan. Today is episode 270, and we are going to follow up on Major League Baseball and some of the associations that were created before the Major League Baseball Players Association was created. So the one that we are going to take a look at briefly today was called the Players Protective Association. Not a fan of this one. It's it's fascist and there's a reason why it failed, but also I'm kind of surprised it fell because or failed, I should say. Sorry, my my lips are plumping up from a lip gloss I put on and it's making it difficult to speak. Hold on just a moment. Let me block this lip gloss off. I didn't think you would do that. So anyway, um this association I am I am surprised it failed because it was started by fascists and fascism was growing rapidly around the turn of the century so I'm surprised it failed but I'm glad it failed um because it's not the American way but unfortunately um more and more people within baseball the baseball players themselves uh because of greed they started other associations and now they have the Major League Baseball Players Association that is today handling their contracts and supposedly having a charitable foundation which is really just a slush fund. Um but before we dive into that, let me give a big shout out to my listeners because as usual you guys are awesome. So big shout out to Texas, New York, California, Oklahoma, Virginia, Pennsylvania, British Columbia, Oregon, Illinois, Florida, New Jersey, Indiana, West Virginia, Georgia, Oregon, Massachusetts, Ohio, Minnesota, Alabama, Washington, Nebraska, Arizona, Utah, Colorado. Let's see here, Mississippi, Kansas, North Carolina, District of Columbia, also known as DC, aka the Swamp. Let's see here, drain that puppy for sure. Uh let's see, Tennessee, Rhode Island, Louisiana, Nevada, Maryland, New Mexico, Michigan, Iowa, New Hampshire, Alberta, Ontario, New Brunswick, Wisconsin, Connecticut, Manitoba, Hawaii, Newfoundland and Labrador. And FYI, For those of you that do not know or do not live in Newfoundland and Labrador, that is a province up in Canada that tends to be extremely liberal. So I'm surprised that they're listening in, but at the same time I'm not because I've noticed with my podcast, more and more people are longing for freedom. And they they are realizing that labor unions and trade unions and big government is not the answer because unions and the federal government and just federal agencies in general and big government they are part of the problem. So it doesn't mean that you completely dismantle them. It means you you pull on the reins basically. You know that's a saying we have here, you know, pull on the reins mean control your horse. Because otherwise your horse if it's not trained and if you're not pulling on the reins, it's going to lead you down a ditch or off a cliff and it's not going to be good. So this is why the powers of the people always has been always will be, but if you toss that power away for the sake of empty promises or for the sake of a campaign or propaganda or these promises for workers rights that mean absolutely nothing or come to nothing because workers rights stem from the constitution of the United States not from empty promises you know then then i guess you should be very much prepared for disappointment because you need to be careful which basket you put your eggs in basically so just be aware of that in terms of countries a big shout out to singapore the united states Canada, the Russian Federation, the United Kingdom, Australia, the Netherlands, India, Niger, Slovakia, South Africa, Japan, Denmark, Uzbekistan, the Federated States of Micronesia, the Philippines, Israel, Bangladesh, Hong Kong, let's see, Iran, China, and Lithuania. So good to see all of you. So mind you that's not a complete list of all the countries that listen in, but more and more are listening in. So that is super awesome. I just love to see that because that tells me that more and more people 
are longing for freedom because they don't have it. And whatever they do have, they know that is uh it's basically being stripped away from them by certain segments of the population within their community or their country. It's usually big government or big unions or uh if you're in the Middle East, probably some swami wearing a turban on his head that thinks he's better than women. And so, you know, these these things very much are a problem because a lot of these things that go against the constitution of, of the United States are pretty much a human rights violation. So you have to keep these things in mind whenever you're you're taking a look at history and then trying to understand the mentality of some of these people from back in that day because the way we think today is nothing like what they thought 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 300 years ago. Like the mindset will change. Circumstances can change, but here's the thing. When you have a good constitution, like the Constitution of the United States of America, it doesn't matter what changes. As long as you hold fast to the truth and you hold fast to basically God and your country and your fellow man, then then you are really blessed. That's probably the best way I can say it. You are very blessed because you put God first and everything else falls into place. But what's interesting is that labor unions and these associations They very much want to be your god. They won't word it like that, but they very much want to dismantle the very system that gives them freedom to have an opinion. And I just think that's so sad. See, that's the lie of fascism. Fascism as well as socialism and communism. It it says, "Oh, we care more about you than, you know, capitalists or republicans or monarchies." And that's not true at all. If anything, monarchies care more about their citizens than communists, fascists, or marxists, or socialists. I mean, really they do. Cuz you know, what's interesting is that there have been many good and great kings and queens over the years. And because of a few bad ones, all of them get shamed and blamed and that's that's just not the right thing to do. I mean, that would be like if we have a lousy president, you know, like let's see, I could name a, a lot, but I'll just name a few. Uh President Jimmy Carter, Barack Obama. I'm not a fan of Joe Biden because he's he's mentally um incompetent because of he's had two brain aneurysms. So I don't think it's completely his fault um uh, what he's doing, but I do think he should be removed from office. Not necessarily impeached. I don't think it warrants that, but he is not mentally competent or has the health. He just doesn't have the health to do the job and I think that is a a travesty and I don't think that's a good thing to do. Anyway, um it be like, you know, saying, "Hey, we have we had a bad president, so then they all must be bad." That's not true. That's not true at all. Oh, and President Bill Clinton, he was pretty awful. He was pretty awful. And then President Johnson, terrible. Um John F. Kennedy, he wasn't awful, but he was a Democrat. Um died way too young. That was so sad what happened to him. Um but even though he wasn't a socialist, He was a little bit of a progressive, but he wasn't progressive like compared to today's progressive. Like John F. Kennedy would be considered a conservative compared to today's standards of what the liberals and the Democrats are doing and how they think and how they operate. So I mean, I mean John F. Kennedy would would be um a breath of fresh air. Not his relatives though. Not that one guy that's running for office now as a democrat the one that has the shaky voice because he sounds extremely unhealthy and he's got some weird ideas that guy but also I don't think we should ever have a candy in office ever again because the candy family I've said this before is very corrupt they're very evil and they tend to be almost always 99.9% democrat and they get away with a lot what you have to remember is that the candy family over the years has committed a lot of crimes but they've but they never go to jail because they can always 
uh, buy someone out or they can intimidate somebody. And that's just really sad to me, really sad. But, you know, we will probably do a podcast episode all about the Kennedy family because that crime and corruption goes back to either the grandfather or the great-grandfather. I'm trying to remember which one it was. The one that had all the kids, basically the, the dad of John F. Kennedy, and um, he cheated on his wife all the time. Well, John F. Kennedy cheated on, you know, Jack, Jackie, which is sick. I mean, he's just like his dad. But the, the original Kennedy, uh, John F. Kennedy's dad, um, he was a pretty horrible guy. And he leased and fleeced people um, so bad that the federal government approached him and said, hey, how did you wheel and deal like this you know, before, during, and after the stock market crash? And if you tell us what you did, we won't put you in federal prison. So basically the Kennedy family made a whole bunch of money off of other people's pain and suffering, and then they, they got away with so much, and they still do. So here's the thing. There's so many people that they will say that the, that the Kennedy family is like a, a royal family. You know, like a monarchy. We do not have monarchies here in the United States. Never have, never will. So for them to prop up, for anyone to prop up the Kennedy family, I mean, I wish them well. I, I truly do. And they need to repent for what they've done. They've done some really bad stuff, folks. They, they have. No one wants to talk about it because it's like, oh, the Kennedys. It's like, okay, just because two people in your family were assassinated, that doesn't give your family permission to disobey the law, break the law, supersede the law, and act like you are untouchable and never go to jail, never go to prison, yet when average everyday people commit crimes like what they have done, average everyday people go to jail and they get the book thrown at them. The Kennedy family, that never happens. And this goes back to the original Kennedy. I think his name was Joseph Kennedy, if I remember correctly. But I will double-check that because I don't want to tell you wrong. But needless to say, there, there are many things... That, you know, we could say, oh, well, all presidents are bad because of President Johnson or Jimmy Carter or Barack Obama or Biden or Clinton. You know, you can't you can't put everybody in the same basket because they're not all from. First of all, they're not all from the same political party. And number two, not every Democratic president was bad. The ones I just mentioned, yeah, they were horrible and terrible. And I'm very disappointed in them um, as a president because, you know, as a leader, you're supposed to lead your country, not sabotage it. Um, there have been some Democratic presidents that, you know, they weren't my favorite by any means because I would rather have a Republican because Republicans tend to keep bad people in line and they tend to call them out and they hold the government accountable for what it does or what or what it does not do in regards to helping the country. So that's why I always go Republican, because even though there may be some issues you know, like maybe women's rights or equality or pay or something like that, that tends to be these days thought of as a democratic um, or a democrat or liberal or progressive notion or idea, but it's not. That actually stems from the Constitution of the United States, so that applies to everybody equally. And what you would be surprised is that Republicans fight for those issues way more than Democrats. Democrats will use people for their vote and their money. Republicans don't do that. They do not. But the moment Republicans do start acting like Democrats, that's basically when they've sold their soul to the devil. And you can't really tell if they're Republican or Democrat. Like, you, they're just kind of wishy-washy. I'm like, you know what? Um, I don't think anyone should ever run for office that is wishy-washy or has ulterior motives because that's not a good leader. And that's not someone that I want to be in a position of power. I think that's a mistake. So anyway, uh, let's get back to the topic at hand. And this is kind of short and sweet, but this is the Players Protective Association. So, again, think about that wording. This goes back to the turn of the century and uh, 1901 or 1900, actually. And so just think about that wording, the Players Protective Association. So already they're playing victim. Oh, we need to be protected. 
these owners these these other people they're they're evil we you know you know they're the predator we are the prey i don't think so it's just a baseball game what you have to remember is that way back in the day baseball was not considered a full-time occupation it was considered part-time and it was considered a leisurely sport so now mind you i don't agree with owners capping players pay i think that's wrong so i agree with the players on that but pretty much all the other stuff excuse me have the hiccups a little bit all the other stuff i do not agree with the players on because they were very much fascist and so that ideology came over from europe with some immigrants So just because people immigrate here and they supposedly want the American dream, don't be surprised when they try and ruin the American dream for everybody else because they have ulterior motives. And most of these fascist ideas um came uh to America via immigrants, mostly from Italy, um the UK, Wales, Scotland and Ireland. So mostly the UK. Um so that is a problem. So you have people that were discontented with what was going on over in Europe in different regions over there. So they're like, "Hey, I hate it here and I I hate the the powers that be, so I'm going to go to the United States where there's freedom and then I'm going to screw it all up." That was basically their mentality because they wanted to start labor unions and associations and basically dismantle the private sector. <laughs> you know, what you may not realize is that there's always been a private sector in the United States, always. Even when we had the original 13 colonies. Basically if it wasn't for the private sector, you know, businesses and and things like that, mom and pop shops, we would have never been founded as a country. Never. It would have just all been monarchy, which would be like equivalent to like a big large federal government that operates basically like the USSR, which is communism. So if it wasn't for the private sector, we wouldn't have any of this in the United States. So what people don't realize is that some of these immigrants immigrants, excuse me, that immigrated over here to the United States around the turn of the century, They already had a chip on their shoulder and they were just contented about what was going on in their homeland. So they immigrated to the United States whether legally or illegally, who knows. And so um they came here with their chip on the shoulder kind of attitude and that's why they created these associations and these trade unions. It's not the American way. So just FYI be aware of that. And I'm reading from baseballreference.com. So I'm not making this up. This is factual. It is what it is. It says the Players Protective Association was an early form of a players association active around the beginning of the 20th century. It was founded on June 9th, 19 or 1900, uh with Charles Zimmer as its founding president and had its greatest influence when the minor league American League decided to become a major league in 1901 by moving into some of the larger National League cities and entering teams in some of the cities abandoned uh when the National League contracted um after the 1899 season. So there were many things that were going on. So you have these minor leagues that took place outside in smaller cities or sorry, outside of large cities. They wanted a bigger they wanted a bigger piece of that pie. So they went to the cities. It was for money. It wasn't because they were victimized or something like that. They wanted money. It kind of reminds me of nurses. Um the nurses labor unions very much said, "Hey, um we we want to help patients get better healthcare." And so they wanted to be nurse practitioners and so they wanted to have prescribing rights like uh, like medical doctors like people that have gone to medical school. Um people fought that and fought that for a long time and eventually people caved in and they just believed what these nurses and these nurses unions said. And they said, "Well, give us prescribing rights and we will help all the people way out in the boonies, let and you're living out in the sticks like farming communities that don't have hospitals." Well, guess what happened? The moment nurses became nurse practitioners 
and they were authorized to write prescriptions and have their own private practices to practice modern medicine with no guidance or um overseeing by a, an actual doctor um guess what they took their business to the cities so they're not even helping the people that they said they would so it was about money it was about their career it was about prestige and it was about greed very similar to this so just because someone says they care about you or they love you or they want to help you that doesn't mean they actually do or that they actually will It says here the main areas of demand for the association were the reserve clause, and I agree with them on that because that's that clause that basically says, "Hey, you can't play for any other team, and you just have a perpetual um, contract that keeps renewing year after year, and the player had no say. The player always has a say because it's their contract, it's their labor, and it's their pay. That's just how it is." um which bound players to their present team theoretically forever and salary levels kept artificially low by collusion among team owners and the lack of communication that technically is true but also if you're a player just don't play for them duh just do something else you don't have to be a bully to the owners to get what you need or what you want so it's kind of those things I've talked about in times past don't ever lower your standard raise them See the players here they lowered their standards by creating an association and by bullying the owners. Here's the thing. The players are not the owners of the team. If you don't like what someone's doing, leave. Duh, get a lawyer. I mean, think about it, but they didn't do it that way. The creation of the American League meant that dissatisfied National League players could for a while jump their contracts and seek better terms with teams in the new circuit. A number of prominent stars did just that, including future Hall of Famers Cy Young, Uh, Jimmy Collins, Jack Chesbro, Sam, I think that's Thompson, Elmer Flick, and Napoleon, I think it's Laholi or Lajoli, Lajoli, however you pronounce that last name, looks French. Um, these sometimes led to lawsuits, most uh, famously in that Lajoli, Holy, whatever his name is, case, until the two leagues made peace in 1903 and agreed to respect each other's contracts. The association's power waned significantly, significantly after that. and attempts to unionize players would sputter uh, with little success until the late 1950s when the issue of inadequate uh, player pensions galvanized players into collective action that's not completely true so here's the thing they wanted more money but they also wanted to act like they owned the team well that's greed and that's not right also they wanted all these benefits that even just regular everyday workers don't get but yet they want full-time pay but part-time um work Well that's called greed and you know they're very much uh behaving like Greece, uh Spain and Portugal and some other countries over there. But you have to remember that's the fascist way of doing things. It's basically give me your money Mr. or Mrs. owner and I'm not going to do as much work and if you don't pay me I'm going to take you to court or I'm going to unionize and I'm really going to make you pay. That's basically what they did. So I'm not a fan of this. I don't agree with it. I think they should have done this um I should have I, I think they should have gotten more pay in a more appropriate manner because the way they did that was not good. So I mean, it's like I said times past, you know, everybody has a violin but not everybody plays it at the same volume. And so you just have to remember that it's very difficult I'm trying to think of this way to describe this. It's very difficult to get business owners on your side if you're being a jerk. <laughs> That's probably the best way I could describe it. Now mind you, Hardly any business owner is perfect. Why? Because people are imperfect. That doesn't mean that we just allow it or tolerate it or look the other way. But I'm saying that these players, 
They they want as much money as a doctor, if not more, even back then. And now these players, think about it, most of these baseball players, even just low-paying ones, they make a minimum of like three million dollars a year. They've never been to medical school. They're not even nurse practitioners. They're not even physician assistants. They're not scientists. They're not researchers. They're they're not working in IT. They're not inventing anything. They're just throwing a ball around, hitting it with a bat, or catching it. I mean, really. Three million dollars a year to do that? Sign me up. Let's go. So it's one of those things that they they overvalued their labor, and so that's what drives up the cost of tickets as well as、um, the merchandise that they sell, and also、um, it greatly impacts the stadiums that they expect the taxpayer to build for them. So there is an episode done by John、uh, Oliver, I believe is his name.、Um, he's kind of funny, not so much anymore, but he did an episode, very important one. About how a lot of these teams, whether baseball teams or NFL teams, they're not even the ones that build their own stadiums. These teams expect the taxpayers to pay for it, basically with your tax dollars. So they basically approach the city of where they want to play football or baseball, and they say, "Hey,、um, we will play here if you will build us our stadium." It's like, okay, back in the day, those kind of shenanigans did not happen. If a team wanted to play somewhere, they built the stadium themselves. Or a really rich、uh, owner, or a really rich person invested in that team and invested in the community. Tax dollars are never ever supposed to be appropriated to athletes like this or to teams like this. That's not the purpose of tax dollars. Tax dollars are paid by the citizens to be used by the citizens. It's never supposed to be allotted to companies or entities within the private sector. So basically, what a lot of cities have been doing, and I do not agree with this at all, because it's a form of fraud and embezzlement. They've been funneling taxpayer, do- taxpayer dollars, excuse me, to these football teams, football teams and baseball teams, and these entities that claim they want to build a stadium, but yet get this, you know, our tax dollars, our money is paying for their stadiums, but yet they charge us hundreds, if not thousands, of dollars for those tickets to go to a game. So it's like they're sticking it to us twice, sometimes three times. So please be aware of that because you know the, these athletes are not these sweet little angels、um, that you think they are. They're not good mentors. They're not good dads. They're not gentlemen. They're not good husbands. They're not good boyfriends. They're not good fiancés. These are very corrupt fascist people, and this kind of thinking, this elitism that is rampant within these sports, has gone back to the turn of the century, which is very sad because you would think that someone would finally stand up and say, "Hey, enough is enough. Your behavior is a problem." Your your pay is a problem, and this is getting really old because you're leasing and fleecing the American public. You're leasing and fleecing the American people, and that's not right. So that's why I'm not a fan of this association. Don't get me wrong. I love baseball. I have my favorite teams. I love going to a baseball game. But you know, whenever you pull back the screen or you pull back the curtain and you see what's been really going on, it's kind of jaw dropping, and it's not always.、Um, Roses and ivory, as they say. You know what I mean? It's not always ice cream and cookies. You know, it's very important to see things for what they really are. Because if you don't see things for what they really are, then you're going to get hoodwinked. You're you're going to just live in la la land until you wake up one day and realize, hey, you've been getting gypped by these professional organizations that say they care about people, and you know, basically they fool people by saying they care about people in a photo op. You know. Helping a kid, helping a terminally ill child, or someone with cancer, or help someone build a house—it's like okay, 
uh that one little act of kindness does not supersede or make it okay for the other things that they are doing and these are things that they are doing willingly and knowingly that's the problem you know we're dealing with ethics and morals here and these types of organizations hardly have any morals hardly have any values hardly have any hardly have any ethics but yet they're supposed to have camaraderie they're they're supposed to have um kind of that team player mentality they don't have the team player mentality they have the bros before hoes mentality and that's a problem as well but i will go ahead and end it there for this lovely podcast but as usual until next time i pray that you're happy healthy and whole that you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week thank you so much god bless and bye bye Don't let this world go down